It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team it's the amazing rico bronia podcast with your host evan roberts all right met fans we needed to do a rico because the last two games have been such an unmitigated disaster that i can sense there may be an april panic so let's all panic together the new york mets have been annihilated over the last two games against the milwaukee brewers we can destroy everybody. We could destroy this limp dick offense that has done nothing. They've been shut out in back-to-back games. If you tack on the last two winnings of the Sunday game against Miami, that would add it up to 20 consecutive scoreless innings. 20 innings of not scoring a freaking run. We'll spend a lot of time on that. But we should also bash Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer sucked. On Tuesday night, he sucked about an hour ago because we're recording this right after the Mets got absolutely destroyed by the Brewers, 9-0. Let's go through the crap of Max Scherzer, and then we'll break down this offense, and we'll discuss, like adults, if we should be concerned or not, a mere six games into the season. Max Scherzer, first pitch of the game, gives up a base hit to Christian Yelich. Okay. I mean, it happens, even though Christian Yelich sucks. You know, you're going to give up a base hit. He gets a quick out on Jesse Winker. Okay, no big deal. Then Brandon Nimmo, who's tough to kill because he did have three hits in Tuesday's game. Brandon Nimmo decides defensively to shove his own head up his ass because when Scherzer gives up the base hit to Willie Adamas, Brandon Nimmo, who has no arm, let's be honest, I have a better arm than Brandon Nimmo in center, for some bizarre reason, tries to throw to third base to get Yelich going first to third. It was a stupid move because Willie Adamas saw this was happening and advanced to second base. So instead of first and third one out, there's second and third one out. To the credit of Max Scherzer, he immediately gets Rowdy Telez to pop up in foul territory to Tomas Nito. Great. That means the ace, the supposed ace of the New York Mets, Max Scherzer, 
just needs to get a final out against Brian Anderson, who has killed the Mets from his days in Miami to now his days in Milwaukee. All Max Scherzer needs to do is to get Brian Anderson, who's mediocre against every other team in Major League Baseball, out. And the great Max Scherzer's ahead of him one and two. Great. I'm even thinking to myself, hey, great job, Max. Going to fight through that first inning. Going to give this limp offense a chance to maybe scratch out a run. This is what an ace is supposed to do. This is what a guy making $44.5 million is supposed to do. And he throws a one-two hanger that Brian Anderson absolutely destroys for a two-run double. It may have been a one-run double, but Brandon Nimmo's head being up his own ass caused Adamas to go to second base. So maybe it's one nothing. I have no idea. There's two outs. There's at least a decent chance Adamas scores from first, but we'll never know the answer because the New York Mets defensively made a dumb miscue. It's now 2 nothing Milwaukee. And the problem for Max Scherzer, and this isn't Max's fault, is that the Met offense right now is lost. And let me just save everybody time. Because what we do as humans is we like to go back to what we said. So, for example, what Pete would do, he's not going to do it because Hoff's not an idiot. He's an honest guy. Hoff would just harp on, hey, they didn't improve DH enough which is a fine argument and a fine point, but that's not why the Mets offense sucks right now. You don't have to like Daniel Vogelback, but Daniel Vogelback wasn't in the lineup on Tuesday. Daniel Vogelback's not the reason why the Mets offense sucks. So let's break it down. What's wrong with the Mets offense? Well, why don't we talk about this game? We could all figure it out together. So in the first inning, Brandon Nimmo gets an infield hit. Great, fantastic. Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, and Pete Alonso then come up. They did nothing. Nothing. In the third inning, Brandon Nimmo bloops a single. Super. Starling Marte bloops a single. Fantastic. The Mets have two on and one out for the immortal Francisco Lindor. And what did he do? Nothing. He grounds to third base for the easiest freaking double play in the entire world. Then in the fifth inning, the great Buck Showalter, who no one's allowed to criticize for some reason with two on and nobody out, and Tomas Nito, who is essentially a pitcher. If you're me and you miss the pitcher hitting, don't worry. Tomas Nito fits the role as the pitcher hitting. So what did we do back in the day? Remember a long time ago when pitchers hit? and they'd be first and second, nobody out, or just a runner on first, nobody out. Remember what we would do? We would make the signal for them to bunt. For some reason, Buck Showalter passed out in the dugout. He fell asleep. Who sucks offensively to maybe lay down a bunt. Maybe. Maybe that'd be a good idea. Because it's 2 nothing. So if he lays down a bunt, which Nito's really good at, by the way, he's got that attribute going for him. You've got second and third one out with the top of the order coming up, including Brandon Nimmo. But instead, Buck's half asleep. Nito strikes out. No kidding, he strikes out because he sucks offensively. And then when Brandon Nimmo grounds out, a run doesn't score. Why would a run score? Because you didn't lay a bunt down. 
Explain to me why Nito isn't bunting. I'm not going to kill Nimmo. Nimmo had three hits in this game, but he doesn't come through. And then here's Starling Marte. First and second, two out, and he grounds out. The big bats for the New York Mets, the guys paid a lot of money, the guys that are supposed to be good, have sucked. And if you're going to tell me, well, there's just too much pressure on them. The rest of the lineup is so bad. These guys are supposed to hit. So spare me on talking about everybody else. We'll have plenty of time to do that. I'm sure there'll be a lot of time to rip the production of third base and rip the production of DH and rip the production of catcher. I'm game to do it. But right now, through this mini two-game losing streak, during this embarrassment against Milwaukee and really what they've done offensively this season, they're not scoring runs because their big bats are doing nothing. So let's all not overcomplicate this. We, we don't have to. I'm, I promise you, I promise you, I swear, there is going to be a lot of time this season where we can bash Billy Epler's offseason moves. We can. Now's not the time. Because right now, Pete Alonzo has done zilch. Francisco Lindor has done zilch. Now, Jeff McNeil showed you something in this game two of this series because he had three hits and he got on base every time out. That was great to see. Even Brandon Nimmo got on base three out of four times. Great to see. So those guys are showing pulses, and that's fantastic. And maybe that'll lead to something. But Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso, and to a degree, Starling Marte, have done very little. And that's why over the last 20 innings, the Mets haven't scored a goddamn run. And that's why when they're down 2 nothing in this game, and they were until the sixth inning, we'll get to Max Scherzer's batting practice session in a second. When they were down 2 nothing, it felt like they were down 8 nothing. It did. Their offense looks lost right now. I had friends texting me. They're giving up. They're not even trying. It's not that they're giving up and not even trying. It's that when you can't hit, that's the way it looks. When you can't score runs, that's the way it looks. You're facing Wade Miley. You've got guys on base every inning over the first five innings of this game, and you did nothing. Now, am I concerned that Francisco Lindor is going to go the whole season and hit 120? No, I'm not concerned about that. Am I concerned that Pete Alonso is going to go the whole season and hit 140? No, I'm not concerned about that. But I have a right, just like every other Met fan has a right, to just be annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm not panicking. I'm annoyed. I'm agitated. The only positive is this ass whooping only took two hours and 15 minutes. The best part of the pitch clock is I'm not investing three hours to watch my team get killed. And I'll admit, I want full transparency. My anger's also been added by the fact that Nets couldn't close out the Timberwolves. All right? So I went 0 for 2 tonight. 0 for 2. Bunch of losers I root for. But these last two games against the Brewers have been absolutely putrid. They have been outscored, is it 19 nothing? 19 to nothing. And I know I'm high on the Brewers, Pete. You know that. I picked them to win the NL Central, but not like this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, you got something to add? Because I'm angry. Yeah, uh, well, one disappointing thing is, remember last year how it took them forever to lose a series? We've lost a series in series yes. number two. So that that's that's disappointing. And you're right. There's no, there's not one person to blame. It's all a crap show right now. It, it is terrible. I'm not going to sit there. You're right. I'm not going to sit there and point out the fact that the DH is bad. It's all bad. And it's frustrating. It's not deflating, though. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, the season's going to be ruined. That's the thing that I'm not going to do. I know people tomorrow morning are going to sit there and be like, I told you so. This offense is terrible. It's it, The the Mets are not going to get shut out the rest of the season. It's not going to be this bad. Max Scherzer is not going to look that bad. Oh, listen, I didn't look good. Him giving up back-to-back-to-back home runs did not look good. But it's not going to be this bad. I have full confidence in this team to bounce back. The one thing I will say is they are a loaded professionally a veteran squad this is not gonna last all season long it would be nice to get some youth movement up there but this is not i always say this this has to do with individual players it has to do with teams when you struggle and and when you succeed too when you struggle out of the gate it's more noticeable it's more noticeable because right now francisco lindor has a batting average and that batting average is horrible you go through a six-game stretch in the middle of June, your batting average is going to go from 278 to 268, and it's not nearly as noticeable. Same thing with the team. I think we're out of the gate, especially our mentality in New York, especially when we're hyped up for a team and we have championship expectations, a two-game losing streak feel worse, feels worse early in a season than it does in the middle of June. Losing 19 nothing over a two-game stretch is going to suck any time of year, but for whatever reason, at least for me, it feels worse sometimes when it's right out the gate. And right now the Mets have nobody hitting. That's that's a part of the problem. I mean, you have nine guys in your lineup. You can afford to have three or four guys slumping when you got three or four guys or five guys hitting the crap out of the ball. Right now, and look, McNeil showed a pulse, but he came into this game hitting a buck 90. Brandon Nimmo showed a pulse in this game, but he came into the game you know, two for 14 or whatever it was to start the year. You just don't have anybody hitting, nobody hitting. And as far as Scherzer's concerned, Max Scherzer gives up those two early runs. I went through that first inning and everything that disgusted me. To his credit, he gets through the second, he gets through the third, he gets through the fourth, he gets through the fifth. And by the way, he was not dominant in getting through all these innings. He didn't get a lot of swing and misses. He didn't get a lot of strikeouts. Not that's the end all be all, but he wasn't dominant. And he was helped out by a really good play by Starling Marte in that fifth inning. He gives up the leadoff hit to Joey Weimer, and Yelich hits a screaming line drive to right, and he's lucky 
that Weimer was running on the play. So when Marte makes the sliding catch, it turns into a fairly easy double play. He was lucky. He was fortunate. He gave up a ball to Victor Caratini that off the bat was hit like a million miles an hour. But luckily, it bounces off the wall so quickly, it's a long single. He gave up a lot of hard-hit balls. But he got out of it. He got through it. And all I ask from Max Scherzer when he enters the sixth inning is, give me one more, Max. It's early in the season. You can be the sixth inning guy. I got no problem with that. And oh my, what the F was that in the sixth inning? Telez, it's a ball that hasn't fallen yet. Brian Anderson, who's going to haunt my nightmares, between the two-run double behind in the count, one and two, to the two home runs he hit late. I know the last one, it didn't matter at that point. But Scherzer's throwing freaking batting practice. And I'm starting to hate his face now. I got to tell you, I'm starting to look at Max Scherzer and just be so pissed off. And I think about all the Met fans that still eat out of the palm of his hands. They love everything this guy says. Let me give you the reality about Max Scherzer. Here are just the facts. You can bitch about it. You can say I'm a DeGrom fanboy. You can say I'm being too hard on Max. I'm just going to give you facts. And then you can do whatever the hell you want with it. In the last one, two, three, four starts he's made as a New York Met, Max Scherzer has taken a giant shit all over all all of us. The game against the Atlanta Braves. Remember that game? Big game. Game two of that three-game series. He gave up four or five runs in five and a third innings. I forget the exact line. The wild card game against San Diego. He gave up four home runs and seven runs and got booed off the mound. His last start on opening day, he was bailed out by a Met offense that instantly responded. He blew a 3 nothing lead in the sixth inning. What did he do? Well, that's right. He gave up a home run. What else is new? And then in this game, he gives up three home runs in the course of 30 seconds in the sixth inning. So I'll help you out. I'm a noble guy. Let's do the math on all the home runs Max has given up in his last four starts as a New York Met. He gave up three on Tuesday. He gave up one on opening day. He gave up one, two, four in the wild card series against the Padres. I think I'm up to eight. This guy has sucked in his last four starts. I don't care what he did in Detroit. I don't. It means nothing to me. I don't care what he did in Washington. I don't care what kind of BS he gives all of us about why he has his opt-out. I don't care how much of a gamer you all think he is. Pitch better. That's it. Pitch better. I don't give a crap about any of that other stuff. And they need him to pitch better. Because here's what I know about the Met rotation in this moment. I know that Justin Verlander is still hurt. Haven't heard an update on him. I know that Jose Quintana is not walking through that door. I know that David Peterson and Tyler McGill, while they both had quality first starts, are not very reliable. And I know that Carlos Carrasco, oh, no, the pitch clock. Oh, shut up. I don't want to hear it. And his velocity's down, but he's not hurt. Oh, so it's supposed to make me feel better that his velocity's down because he gets tired because he has to throw the pitch, the, the ball so often? I mean, come on. That's the state of the Met rotation. So I need Max Scherzer, unless there's some injury he wants to tell us about. Oh, my obliques hurt. Oh, my elbows. Whatever injury he wants to come up with, he needs to pitch better. 
because in his last four starts, this game against the Brewers, opening day, crapping the bed in the wild card game, and the Atlanta game, his last four starts, he has sucked to varying degrees in all four games. And then I love that shocked look he has when he gives up a home run. I love that. Oh, I can't believe it. Can't believe it? Dude, you give up a ton of home runs. You should not be shocked. When you throw a flat curveball that hangs right in the middle of the plate, don't give me that shocked look. So clearly I'm feisty. But this is the thing about hired guns. I'm being honest with you. I don't have patience, and nor should you, because they've done nothing for us. Doesn't mean I didn't want Max Scherzer. Doesn't mean I wasn't celebrating the signing of him. But when you sign guys who've done nothing for you and you pay them $44 million, yeah, it's only natural to be quick to criticize them. That's that's all of us, I think. So if I'm irrational tonight, I apologize. This is also what happens when you do podcasts 35 seconds after two of your favorite teams crap the bet at the same time. That's what happens. That's just the reality of it. As far as the opener of this series, because we could spend some time on that. If we do a podcast, we usually do one a Rico after every series. I'm sure we'll do one after this series ends. But this version of the Rico, we're going to focus on both of these debacles. So let's get to the first debacle. A game I could not score, a game I could not be laser focused on. Craig and I were on the air. So I was able to see a lot, but it's it's different. It's different from a game like game two of this series where I've got my dopey scorebook and watching every second of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But clearly, Carlos Carrasco, and I made light of it a few minutes ago, but now I'll talk seriously about it. Carlos Carrasco's got issues with the pitch clock. And the reality is he has to adjust. That's it. That's it. It's not a reason to ban the pitch clock. It's not a reason to hate the pitch clock. Everyone's playing by the same rules. I know that certain guys are going to be affected more by it. Carlos Carrasco has got to figure it out. And if his velocity was down as this game went on, because he's not used to pitching every 15 seconds, he's just got to find a way to get over it. I'm sorry. I hate to be blunt, but that's just the reality of this. And a part of why one of the added benefits, I guess, of the pitch clock would be that the velocity could come down on some pitches. And the positive to that is that could lead to less strikeouts, more ball in play, So there's aspects of it that I guess are good for baseball. But in terms of the Mets, Carlos Carrasco's got to figure it out. That's it. He's got to find a way to communicate with Tomas Nito or Omar Nevarez 
And if it's the pitch com screwing up every other game, which it seems like it does, it seems like we've seen a lot of examples of, oh, no, my pitch com isn't working. But whatever is going to keep him from throwing 94, 95 on a consistent basis, he's got to figure it out because you're not getting major league hitters out throwing 88, 89 mile per hour fastballs. And that was the problem for Carlos early in this game. Now, I'm not panicking about it. I just think that if that's the issue and it's not a physical issue, because if a guy's velocity is down the way Carrasco's velocity was on Monday, it's fair to ask why. It's fair to say, hey, what the hell's going on? Are you hurt? Which is the worst case scenario. I mean, the Mets have already dealt with so many injuries in this rotation. Quintana's out for a while. Who knows about Verlander? Scherzer will have an injury at some point, if not next week. That's just a reality. So to have Carrasco go down, I mean, you really want to test the depth of this rotation. You'll be testing it. So I'd rather it be adjustment to the pitch clock than it would be a physical issue. But when you're throwing 89 mile an hour fastballs and your fastballs down to 92, and it was going on as the game went on, which was scary. Like it started normal and went down a tick after an inning and then another tick an inning later. That's a problem. But it is one game, so just like the good starts that you see from somebody, you don't want to over-exaggerate after one start, but it was concerning. And it was just a bad, bad game. I mean, really, two of these in a row. And I know you're going to have a bunch of these throughout a Major League Baseball season. You play a buck 62. There's going to be a handful of games in which you just have no chance. It's just not your day. But to have them in back-to-back fashion, To have them one after another is a problem. And Pete said this earlier. Last year, what the Mets did so well over the first month and a half of the year is that they never had a long winning streak, but they never had losing streaks, and they won every series they played. The first series they lost last year was in the middle of May at Citi Field against the upstart Seattle Mariners. They had played 10 previous series. They won nine of them. They tied one of them. Think about that. They had 10 series a year ago that they didn't lose coming right out the gate. They obviously have already lost this Brewer series. There's a decent chance they're going to get swept when you look at the pitching matchup. Not that the pitching matchup means everything, but you don't feel good about Corbin Burns coming off an average start against Chicago against David Peterson, especially with the way these first two games have gone. Now, that's not going to ruin opening day. But to walk in an opening day after getting swept out of Milwaukee, uh, not a great feeling. But win the finale of this series. If you could find a way to get to Corbin Burns, get another good performance by David Peterson, you pretty much have, I don't want to say a rested bullpen because they used Adam Adovino and they used Brooks Raleigh, but David Robertson is fresh. Drew Smith is fresh. John Curtis is fresh. You get five solid out of David Peterson. Maybe you score some runs against Corbin Burns. I think it'll improve our our moods. At least we'll go into the home opener on Thursday, where it's supposed to rain, by the way. (laughs) I'm just letting you know. Not that it's a big... You know what? They've played so many games in a row. If they rained out Thursday and they played Friday, it sucks personally for me, just in terms of trying to get there. But for the Mets as a whole, I guess it's not the end of the world unless you canceled your plans to go Thursday, (laughs) but the weather sucks. I'm just letting you know, man, 
It's supposed to rain. It's supposed to be warm. That's one the weird thing. It's supposed to be almost 80 degrees for the home opener, but there's a really, really high chance of rain and there's a chance of hail. You know why we get hail? I don't know if this is true. I'm just uh, spitballing here. I think when there's a cold front and a warm front and they like merge against each other, that forms hail. So if you're asking like, why would there be hail and it's 80 degrees? That's why there'd be hail, apparently. Now, you could fact check me on that. You may prove me wrong. I have no freaking idea, but I took one year of meteor- meteorology meteorology at a community college. So is this, I have some knowledge. Is, is this basically you saying that the Mets are going to go from really being cold to being hot and at the same time it's going to explode and be hail? That, that's basically what not, you're Not at all, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, listen, Med fans, my fellow Med fans, I am agitated. I am annoyed. I am not panicking. I am not worried. I don't want anybody to take these angry editions of the Rico after games as, like, I've said the Mets suck and they're dead. I have not said that. Now, you may have construed that based on my anger at just about everybody, whether it's Max Scherzer or Buck Showalter, or Carlos Carrasco, or Francisco Lindor. I'm upset. I'm, you know, I'm a fan. I don't like losing. I don't like getting annihilated. I don't like getting embarrassed on back-to-back days. But if we could all talk seriously right now for a second, I'm not worried. Like, I don't think that five games, good or bad, by the way, should change your opinions. If you had an opinion three weeks ago, I don't necessarily think a sample size of five games should change that. Now, it's easy to have a change because we're all emotional and we don't have any other sample size to look at. But I remain kind of similar to how I felt a week ago. Now, that can change at some point because eventually five games becomes nine games, which becomes 15 games. And there obviously is a point during a season in which you start to feel differently about things that you thought. But before the Mets have ever played a home game, I am not feeling differently about this team. I'm just agitated. I thought it was a good weekend against Miami. They didn't hit the cover off the ball, but they went out and won three out of four. Like, what's what's to feel bad about? And the last two days have just absolutely sucked. So I'll give you a positive, and I'll follow up with a question on top of it. So the positive is, you know, again, Corbin Burns is pitching tomorrow. The Mets faced Sandy Alcantara, reigning Cy Young, and he's back to his old ways. He already pitched a complete game today, uh, so I think it gave up one run. So the Mets were able to get to him. So maybe there's something that it's, you know, maybe they'll get to better pitching. Corbin Burns is up there for Cy Young, too. He's a great pitcher. So maybe the Mets will get to him. Maybe it's the better pitching that they really hit. Really? I don't know. I'm that's, that's what you've come up with? That's, I'm just trying something. Now, here's a real question, though. We saw Carrasco's hiccup and saying that he just needs to get – he the, the pitch clock screwed him up. We saw Connor the other day with the lack of judgment or the, the, the flightiness with the waiting for the velocity to hit never happened. He gets called strike three on something because he's waiting for something to happen. So is it possible because the Mets are – a little bit old on the older side that they're just so used to the game without the new rules that it's going to take a little adjustment for them. And that's why they're not as good as they should be. No, I don't think the pitch clock has anything to do with the way they're playing. 
I really don't. I, I think that it affected Carrasco. So that game, certainly you want to say that, that that game was impacted by the clock. Sure. I mean, Carlos Carrasco is making an adjustment. And I think it's clearly affecting him. I think Mark kind of striking out when the game was already out of reach doesn't really matter. They didn't have any violations, if memory serves correct, from this game, from game two of the series. I don't recall any. So, no, I don't think it's the pitch clock. I think they're just, they're not hitting. <laughs> they're not hitting, and they've had back-to-back awful starting pitching performances. Absolutely awful. The other piece of bad news that we should mention is Brett Beatty. Brett Beatty's hit the cover off the ball down at Syracuse. I'm getting the highlights of his afternoon game, Tuesday afternoon, and then I see a swing from Beatty that causes discomfort, and it's this thumb. And it's the same thumb he had surgery on a year ago. And he's going to have imaging on Wednesday. So we'll see. But that is very, very concerning. Because I think that was the main kind of thing to look at as a Met fan as they struggled offensively, which was, hey, call a Beatty. Hey, call a Beatty. When are they calling a Beatty? Hey, when's Beatty coming? Escobar sucks. Where's Beatty? Beatty, 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 Beatty. And we may lose that crutch. Because if Beatty has to miss time, on a surgically repaired thumb, that is deeply concerning. So hopefully everything's okay. I did see Ronnie Mauricio had an RBI triple. It's funny. When you see all the kids at AAA hitting, it makes us long for Call him up. Call him up. Call him up. Call him up. They are not calling anybody up anytime soon. And the reason I say that is barring injury, because injuries change everything. Billy Epler is not going to just make a complete 180 after five games after two weeks. He's not. That's why anyone who asks me this, I say barring injury because injury always changes everything. You could call anybody up because of an injury. Uh, I'm looking at may at the soonest. They're not going to all of a sudden call kids up to spark this offense as much as you may want it, or I may want it. They're not going to do it. That I have three options already. If, Anyone gets hurt, if there's whatever is going to happen, There's these are the three options before any of these prospects. Mikel Perez, obviously for catcher. You got um, Mendick in the infield. And then you have uh, uh, Khalil Lee that they'll call up for the outfield. They're, I, mean, I, they're not, I, I don't think they'll do that, by the way. I really don't. I don't think that they're – let's say Eduardo Escobar got hurt. I'm certainly not rooting for it. He did have a hit in this game on a changeup that was on the ground. So it was like a little impressive hit. That was right before Buck fell asleep and didn't call for the bunt with Tomas Nito. If Eduardo Escobar got hurt, I think they would call up a healthy Brett Beatty. I do. I think they would call up even Mark Fientos. I don't necessarily think that they would have... Perez, you're right about with Alvarez. That I agree with. Alvarez is not coming up. I I wouldn't even pine for that right now because it's so unrealistic. But I don't think that Epler would create kind of these cones to put in front of the young guys and say, oh, no, Danny Mendick's coming up, and he's going to get a chance to play. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. If there's an injury, we would see these guys. Now, we shouldn't root for injuries. Who we should root for are the guys to play well. Like, here's what I want. I want Eduardo Escobar to play like he did in September. I want Eduardo Escobar to remind us how good he can be when he's hot. I don't want to see him struggle because – And here's the reason for this. For anyone who's like, oh, you don't want to see Beatty? No, hold on. We're going to see Brett Beatty. We are. He's the top third base prospect in all of baseball. Assuming his thumb is okay, we're going to see him. So as much as 
yeah, I'd be cool to see him now. I would just like the guys who are here to perform because it's not as if Eduardo Escobar hits. We'll never see Brett Bay. We'll see him. He'll be here. This is not a rebuilding team where just show me the young guys. No, no. This is the win now team. So my priority as a fan is to win, not to see the young guys. Obviously, a part of why we want to see the young guys is because we think they give us a better chance to win, which is fine. But if Eduardo Escobar is playing like he did in September, then the Mets have a great chance to win games because he was awesome that final month of the year last year. But if you start to struggle, if, if there's these players are struggling and then they bring up the young guys to kind of try to right the ship, isn't that the worst yes. possible outcome? Like you shouldn't be calling up Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, Vientos, Mauricio, anybody to like, oh, we're struggling. Let's get let's let's, let's get some help from no, the young guys. Absolutely. That's the word that and I mentioned that last time that you don't want to call these guys up to be saviors. You want to call them up when things are going well. And right now, again, small sample size. We're only looking at six games. The Mets aren't hitting. You call up Brett Beatty tomorrow if he was healthy, there's a sense of he's here to save the offense. You don't want that. You want the team to be playing well when you call him up because Beatty's going to get the call. He's going to be here at some point. Even if things are going well, he's going to be here at some point. Alvarez is different. Alvarez, if we see him this year, that means things have gone bad, as Buck mentioned. But I think it's different with Beatty, and I think it's different with Vientos. Problem is, here's the main point. The big guns have to hit. They have to start hitting. They're getting absolutely nothing from Pete Alonso and nothing from Francisco Lindor, and that's got to change. That's got to change. We'll do some emails when we do the Rico after this series is over, so we'll mix in a lot of emails, some more rational thoughts about what has happened over the last few days but I thought it was important, Pete and I both did, that we give you some irrational, angry reaction to the first two nights in Milwaukee as the Mets have been embarrassed and outscored 19 to nothing. So if you're angry about anything we said today, you can email us to ricob at gmail.com, but understand that you cannot blame emotional reactions right after a loss, all right? Okay, we, we all agree. No one's going to hold anything I said today against me. Good. Thank you very much. And thank you for downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.